Hey there, and welcome to the Silver Lined Relaunch. And today I'm so excited to be bringing to you Jordan Wiggins. And you're gonna hear some things that really you might be able to start implementing in your life right now, but you're also gonna hear some true wisdom that comes with having gone through a relaunch and the ability to have silver linings, to look back and realize that everything happened and unfolded just as it was supposed to. You're listening to the Silver Lined Relaunch, and I'm your host, Hilary DeCesar, award-winning entrepreneur and transitional coach. Each week, I'll invite you to tune into inspirational stories, revealing how you too can turn ordinary experiences into the extraordinary. Feeling stuck? I'll share step-by-step strategies to fuel your ability to experience a life where silver linings are both abundant and possible. Hey there, and welcome to the Silver Lined Relaunch. And today I'm so excited to be bringing to you Jordan Wiggins. And you're gonna hear some things that really you might be able to start implementing in your life right now, but you're also gonna hear some true wisdom that comes with having gone through a relaunch and the ability to have silver linings, to look back and realize that everything happened and unfolded just as it was supposed to. So Jordan, so great to have you here. Thanks for, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Hillary. So I always like to start with having you share a little bit about you for those that don't know you and to jump right into really the most significant relaunch that you've gone through to date. Perfect. So my name is Jordan Wiggins. I'm a naturopathic doctor and sexual health disruptor. (laughs) Really my mission in life, in business is to change the way we deliver women's sexual health and wellness because I truly believe that that is correlated to the ultimate health, joy, energy. And it's a a topic that's a little taboo to talk about um, and one in two women suffer. Okay, well, Jordan, you're in the right place. You're in the right place for this because we like to go there. And yes, sexual health disruptor, is that what you said? Yes. Yes. I love that. I love that. That's so good. So perfect. But how did you, how did you end up, how'd you end up here? Yeah. So that's my whole relaunch and everything. Um, because I don't think anyone wakes up at any point in their life and thinks, oh, I would like to do sexual health for a living because of the connotation, the taboo, the stigma around it, that you should see some of the DMs that I get on a daily basis. I bet the really good, like Dr. Ruth on steroids. <laughs> yes. Um, so basically I had created this life, this women's medical clinic, um, which is, which was awesome. I thought I was living my dream. Um, I was working 80, 90 hour weeks. I was struggling to fit in the things that made 
me happy. And I really wasn't making the impact that I wanted or the change that I wanted. Because what I saw happening over and over, and after you treat thousands of women and their energy improves, the weight comes off, um, hormones are balanced, but they kept saying, I just want to want sex, mm. but I don't. My libido's the same. Nothing's changed. So everything would improve. Libido wouldn't. And what was really interesting that also came with that was something that medically we call anhedonia, which is inability to feel pleasure or joy. So we'd have these women that were hormones were now balanced. They were successful in their careers and other areas. And then this one area that they were stuck and couldn't fix was their libido and their sexual relationship with. With this ambidonia, what age are we talking about? What age of a woman? Literally like teens to women in their seventies. One in two women globally from the time that they should be sexual. Okay, that, that is a shocking statistic right there. And so there is 100% a large group of women right now listening to this that will fall into this category. Definitely. And I want them to know that they are not alone. They're mm -hmm. not broken. And there are things that we can do to improve this. And it's a mindset game. Always so it, right? It always <laughs> yeah. it. Always somehow you're hearing this for about the, you know, thousandth time that we've talked about. It's always a mindset. But let's talk about, let's talk about this major relaunch before we dive into some of the specifics around, you know, what, what people can do about this. Let's talk about really your relaunch and the significance that brought you here. So I decided in my business that I wasn't making the impact or I really wasn't getting that change for women because it was great that we were checking off a lot of items on their list of what they wanted improved. But with that anhedonia, the lack of pleasure, they still felt like there was something missing. There was this void. So I was like, I need to go in search of that. And this was over a 10 year process really of treating women, researching, figuring it out developing a framework. So I wrote a book and I was like, this is going to be it. This is going to be, I'm going to get my message out there. I'm going to help so many women. And my book was set to um, launch March 11th of 2020. And then we all know the whole world shut oh. down. <laughs> the worst time for a book launch. Yes the worst time for a book launch um, because my tour, my travel, my appearances were all canceled. So I expected my life to go one way and then I had to close the doors to my clinic for a few weeks before we could slowly reopen. But that was hard when we were delivering in-person care and a lot of in-person services and even for months, people were scared to 
go have their blood work done or come in for a treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, so my clinical practice was suffering and this book that I had taken a year and a half to write, invested my own money, the whole launch plan for that was canceled. So this interesting thing happened and I don't know why, cause I'm normally a little type A and I, I know my plan and if I'm gonna do this and then the next step is this and the next step is that, but I felt this time freedom in this space that I had for the first time, well, really, since before medical school (laughs) was a gift that I could take time and kind of think, what can I do? How can I change delivery? How can I, um, how can I pivot essentially to still make the impact, still get the word out and live my dream, but with more alignment in what was true for me and how I wanted to live my life. Because I also found out I was pregnant (laughs) in March of 2020, which was not planned. So I needed like a personal... Everything is colliding at once. I mean, we're talking like, okay, I have the quiet time. I'm now looking within. I'm now seeing how I can align with what I really want to be doing. I've got this book that I, you know, nobody knows about. (laughs) I can't get it out there. Okay. Now I'm pregnant. Whoa. All right. (laughs) Yes. We're we're waiting. (laughs) So I needed a relaunch like personally and professionally because I knew that in nine months, I was going to have a baby that I wanted to be around for. And I wanted flexibility. And this is your first baby? Yes. Okay. So your first first child's coming and your book, which is your, you know, original baby is just sitting, sitting there staring at you. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I had this sort of internal knowing, which is, I think where all the best ideas come from personally, but when we can slow down and be quiet enough and have enough courage to really listen to them. So I took everything that I had learned and made a framework. And I was scared, is this going to translate online when I'm used to delivering face-to-face? And are women going to want to get in groups? and discuss their sexual health and discuss these intimate details of what's going on in their marriages. And, but it's not just marriages. It's also their single life. Yes. It's like teens all the way up. Yeah. So attracting the wrong partners, date issues with when they're dating um, or being in like recent, we work with a lot of women that recently are divorced and are kind of like, okay, this went wrong in round one. I really want to change things and get it right moving okay, forward. So yeah. Help me understand. So we at the Relaunch Co, we relaunch women back into the dating world, really looking at the, the limiting beliefs, really looking at 
um, you know, how to date, <laughs> like, you know, the landscape. But what you're talking about is much deeper. You're talking about what, what tell us more about specifically when you're helping people that are, you know, just getting a divorce, what are you doing for them? So with, this is with respect to sexual health. So when there was lack of desire, um, inability to get aroused or stay aroused. So those of us that like to make to-do lists in our head while we're being intimate or we're thinking about the next thing, um, women that have pain with sex. And, but basically those are the, like, those are the medical things or those are things that we would sort of, if you're having these issues, if you're not really as happy as you used to be, Okay, we want to work with you step in though, because isn't it that as you know, if we're, let's say in a relationship and we're getting a divorce and you sit there and you're like, yeah, you know, really there was an inability to get aroused. Could it just be that you were about to get a divorce? You haven't been interested in this person for a long time. How do you delineate between you actually have an issue versus it's a relationship issue. I'm trying to figure that one out. That's a great question. I'm glad you brought that up. So what we see majority of the time, cause you know, you get a divorce, you get in a new relationship. We have all of those amazing hormone cascades, the neurotransmitters for new love. And it's amazing. It's, good. it's, amazing. it's so good. I know. <laughs> I could... Yeah. We all like that. We're all like, whoo, getting a little flesh in the cheek as we think about, you know, the beginning. <laughs> Yes. So, which is amazing and neurochemically, biologically, we're wired for that, all of those hormone cascades and everything in the beginning. And then we see those old patterns come back. So wherever we were blocked mindset wise, if it, to not desire sex, they usually come back after that new, um, that new, that honeymoon period. How long, is, how long is the honeymoon? Depends on the partnership, depends on what else they've got going on. Um, generally, like it's a pretty wide range, but six months to two years, depending, like sometimes if you're long distance, yeah. um, that can, those hormones can stay for longer. Sometimes if, you know, you move in together and you're picking dirty laundry up off the bathroom floor every day, it can go away a little quicker. So there is some variability there. Well, you know, what's interesting about this is that my second husband, E, my, my husband now, I should say, it made me sound like I have multiple husbands after this, but no, my, my husband, E, we initially were going back and forth between two different houses because he had kids, I had kids. We were about 40 minutes away from each other. I got to tell you, it kept the romance alive for a very, very, very long time that really felt like, you know, young love. And we did it. I mean, we did it for probably, oh my God, three years. And then we started to spend more time together. And I was actually really concerned when COVID hit, 
because we had just moved into a, an apartment in the city where we were very close proximity. We didn't have, we didn't have that space anymore. We weren't able to go outside and do things. And I was, I was and not nervous, but I was wondering like, what's going to really happen with our sexual life. And we've always been, you know, very sexual and very, you know, interested chemistry wise in, uh, you know, each other. And it ended up being, you know, woohoo, I can sit here and say it worked. Everything was awesome. And, you know, it got even better, but I did go into that thinking like I was worried, like I was like, huh. And I've been divorced from, you know, another man in the past. And I was like, oh my God, am I going to, am I going to stop being attracted by being there every single day by having the dirty, you know, the dirty clothes, the, you know, Hey, it's you again each morning. And so when you're saying this, it's like, I, you know, it it could have like, it really can go. You can lean into those, those past beliefs that might've come up. Can you tell us more about that part of it? That sometimes, you know, more common than not, you're saying one out of two women feel this way. This Mm -hmm. is pretty common for people to feel like, (gasps) yikes, I've lost loving feeling. Yes. And then we try and like, we blame ourselves. We think that there's something wrong with us or that we're broken or not wanting to want it. Um, But really it is in part about the myth education that we all had about sexual health. Um, Right. We were educated about reproduction we were a lot, there was a lot of fear and shame-based education. So there's only these like certain scenarios where most women feel like they can be, it's acceptable for them to be sexual, which is like in a partnership, like they're married in the bedroom when no kids are home. Like there's all these things that come up, these belief systems that come up even valuing certain types of orgasms over other types. So by women thinking that penetration is the only way to really be having sex, for 80% of women, that's not the way that they can reliably orgasm, which is from penetrative sex. So that's just an example of a big belief that a lot of women hold that they think there's something wrong with them. They're broken because they can't do something a certain way, but really it's, we haven't been taught. Oh my God. So you're saying 80% of women don't orgasm during actual, just regular Sex. Penetrative intercourse. intercourse okay. Yes. So people right now are literally out there driving, running as they're listening, saying, Oh my God, thank you for saying this. You. You're welcome. And this I will so, say it. This is so important because we are, you know, we, we're taught, who are we even really taught by? We're taught by like teachers in sex ed in school, which is just the worst, you know, here's the penis, here's the vagina. And you're like, everyone's laughing. And we, if you pay too close attention, you know, it's like, you're the weird one. And so you don't learn it. You learn it from your friends or you learn it just trial 
on fire, right? And exactly when you first become sexually active, it's it's about the fastest experience on the planet. <laughs> and that's because exactly like you said, we're taught in sex ed or friends or pornography is default um, sexual education for a lot of people, especially nowadays, because it's so easily accessible. And what is shown, what's modeled is not what's most pleasurable for 80% of women. So it's like if we told men that- What does that mean? Say what you just said again. I didn't understand it. I didn't follow that. So what I mean is that, let me say it this way. So for men, um, if we grew up telling men that the best way for them to have sex or sex was us licking their elbow- there would be a small percentage of men, especially those that like <laughs> who got practice, off on the elbow lick. <laughs> they would right. It would be a small percentage of them that could orgasm or climax from that. But for the rest of men, they would spend their whole lives thinking, like, wow, there is something wrong with me. I don't normally like I that doesn't feel great to me. This does. But if they they're constantly in a partnership trying to do something that is not most pleasurable to them, they're going to feel broken. And that's what happens to 80% of women that don't reliably orgasm from penetrative sex. Oh, okay. So I've heard there are 10 different ways to orgasm. Is that so true? This is a little bit of a myth bust, but I'll, I'll tell you. So the clitoris is how most women reliably orgasm. So we need to stimulate the clitoris some way, somehow to orgasm. Mm -hmm. And that 20% of women that orgasm from penetrative sex, it's because the clitoris is being stimulated either externally or internally, depending on their anatomy. So and I think this is a bit of a marketing thing and a way to sell stuff to try and say, oh, there's all these different kinds of orgasms because we can write um, articles about it and it sounds new and it gives people something to, you know, aspire to. But the clitoris is a really big internal structure. So if we're saying like a G-spot orgasm or other types, it's because the clitoris internally or externally is being stimulated in some so way it must in order for a woman to orgasm it, the clitoris has to be stimulated and if it's not being stimulated by intercourse then it better be stimulated by manual something whether it's your yes hand a toy yes okay okay so then what okay so what you're saying is that we have to as women start to stimulate our clitorises as often as possible when we're having sex. That's exactly what I'm saying. And I'm saying that we need to teach whoever our partner is how to do it as well with their hands, with their mouths, with whatever, but it's toys. It's just a matter of if we take the focus off of penetrative sex and we teach women that they've been going to the same restaurant, ordering the same thing off the menu for 20 years, 
And then we're like, oh, look, there's this whole menu and there's all these restaurants. Then all of a sudden, sex is exciting again. Sex feels good again. Um, but we need a framework to explore Ooh, it. And we this is, and this is a tough bridge to cross. If you have been with the partner and all of a sudden you're like, hey, not interested in doing it the same way. But in reality, they're going to like it just as much. I mean, yes. if you get them to kind of agree to this, but I have to ask you, um, and I've heard this and I've read this um, and I want to just validate it. Is it going to be another one of my myth busters here? Um, when we talk about actually stimulating the clitoris, as you're saying, in order for us to really have an orgasm, how long are we really talking about? Because I've heard a man can climax in two to three minutes. It takes a woman upwards of 40 minutes. What's the real legit answer? Oh, and <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is a great question. And I hate to put numbers on it. Cause then again, us, us like trying to be the good girl, trying to be the perfectionist, trying to get it right. Mm -hmm. That puts the brakes on libido. And if sometimes for women, they could orgasm in two to three minutes. If things were the, the right set of like emotional and physical factors were going on. Okay, Jordan, can you help us with that? Can you help yes. us get to a faster orgasm? But, okay, well, just okay, let, me, let me finish wait, and really then I'll go back. Poor, poor E, you know, sometimes I'm like, these are the statistics, 40 minutes, the poor guy is, you know. Yeah, like, so and I will say generally- I gotta, I gotta figure this out. <laughs> generally speaking, and I'll go back to that in a second, but generally speaking, it's taking women like 20 minutes- plus to orgasm. And one of the biggest reasons that I see, and this is another thing that we have to unwind um, part of the framework that I developed is because we are so overwhelmed, overworked, we're in a sympathetic nervous state a lot. And to receive pleasure and have really, really good orgasms, we need to be in a parasympathetic nervous state that like rested, relaxed, vacation sex kind of nervous system state. Okay, um, so that's hard in, okay, hold on. So when we're in this sympathetic nervous state, we're, we're working, we're jamming, we're taking care of kids. We're, um, I mean, I, I'm sure that other people can resonate with this where you hear the kids outside in the hall uh, and you know, you're like, oh, they're home or, you know, oh, oh, you know, first fast, fast, fast. So you're saying that's not the best state to be orgasming. We yeah, want to get all... in the parasympathetic. Exactly. So we can think about things a couple ways. One is, do we have to orgasm for it to be sex or it to be considered good? Like, why is that the ultimate goal. That's because what men were taught that they, you know, in order to have this be great sex, they have to have the woman. Hence the fact, remember when Harry met Sally, you know, women do learn how to fake it just so that they feel like the guy has accomplished something, right? For sure. And that whole, like, how often do women fake it? I believe it's 60% of women fake. Like it's a big number. 
But is it, but is that faking it all the time? No, just like they fake to get it over with. Okay. Sometimes. So once in a, once in a while they fake it. Okay. Got it. Yeah. And I, there are women that I work with that have faked it their entire marriage. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Okay. And that's really, okay. it's teaching your partner what you don't want, but then we need the support. We need the language we need because it's damaging, mm. right? If you've had, like, you've been faking for so long and then you go to your partner and say like, Hey, I've actually never orgasmed. That's that's hard. There's a lot of, you know, I would think because then there's trust issues. Like, mm-hmm. but this is part of what you help people do. Like, you help them take back this part of their life and help them get out there with their boyfriend, husband, whomever, and and make sure because it it's my understanding now that you, as you said, you know, your legacy, your you know, your dynasty, your what you really believed you needed to do was bring back this ability for women to connect with themselves and to connect with their own, their own body and orgasms. Like how important is it for a woman's body to orgasm? So important. And we don't talk about this. So there is research. Orgasms keep you young. Orgasms improve immune function. They help mood, self-esteem. Um, so, and really not a lot of, I'm sure there's other amazing things that orgasms do, but that's what the research has proven to date. It's really hard to get funding to, to study these things. So we don't have a ton of, um, a ton of research on benefits of sex particularly, but um, did I say decreases pain too? So if anyone has any like- chronic pain mood, issue mood immune system it keeps you younger i mean wow <laughs> so how often should we be having sex to allow for our body now it's not just sex everyone again we have to have orgasms so how many how how often should we be doing this weekly to really get all these benefits in your mind and this is couple dependent it's dependent sometimes on like relationship with self and self-pleasure and everyone will have varying degrees throughout their life or life situation so if you're going through something extremely stressful you might not be as aroused um but I mean if I could do a prescription (laughs) I would love one to two orgasms a week that would be great or oh one God, to on two your prescription pad. You're like, you need one to two orgasms a week. <laughs> and then everything's going to be better. It really is. I mean, you just said scientific data shows that all these things, you know, it really does impact everything. Okay. Crazy enough. And I know everyone's like, don't stop Hillary. Well, we do have to stop, unfortunately, but you're, you're incredible. You're just amazing. Um, I would really like, okay, so rapid fire questions. <laughs> I've got like a hundred going through my, my brain. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with one that um, how you, you're talking, which I'm just fascinated with. How do you do this in a group setting? How do you really do this? That's the magic. And I didn't even trust my business coach that told me to do it, but we just create a safe 
space, we really make sure that the women that we work with are aligned and the getting women together talking about this stuff is actually research proven to increase desire, increase orgasms. Um, like just by being able to talk about it with other women. And I didn't know that when I started this or else I wouldn't have had as many hangups, but I found the research after. Seeing um, it firsthand. Yeah. And then they become lifelong friends. It's the most fascinating thing. But I guess if you've ever like been through something like your friends from college or, you know, when you go through something with other women, there's this bonding that happens. So they stay in touch even after the program's over or our work together is over. They plan trips to see each other how long when travel. You, how long do you keep this group of women together and take them through your program? 12 weeks. 12 weeks. So 12 weeks and you can start to have better orgasms or orgasms for the first time. Um, as far as another question I would have is what is the best way to stimulate the clitoris? Lightly, delicately. <laughs> so this is the thing. Clitoris has 8,000 nerve endings. That's double the head of the penis. We're getting real technical here. Wow. But Hold on everybody. 8,000 nerve, nerve endings. You said nerve. Yes. Oh my God. So okay. that means that most men tend to stimulate it to like, they're too rough. They have too much pressure. We want to like slowly, you know, gently get started um, and then maybe increase pressure and things as we go. But way, way lighter and more delicate than you think you need to. Okay. So another question I would have is, is this something that we should be starting before? Like if, if you have a guy that isn't going to give you that on average 20 minutes, should we start stimulating ourselves before we even like act like we're ready to have sex with this person? So that's a great thing. Good question. A lot of women that do take longer and their partner might be on board, not on board. We can do two things. One is get yourself in the state that you need to be in to have great sex. And we need to remove the factors that turn us off and add factors that turn us on, which is what we figure out. And then, then you come to that encounter more aroused and it's easier. So, and you could totally. self-pleasure before that's one way to do it. There are others or turn taking, which again, we have this hang up that it like, it's not sex unless it's penis and vagina with a mutual orgasm, but turn taking is really a fun way to explore what you like and what your partner likes. So you could have one night a week that's just for you and the next week it's just for your partner wow okay so much good information i'm sure people are like whoa we need a part two 
But right now I do have that one question I always ask, which is your favorite beauty product or another product that you might have. And by name, what would you, and, and honestly, if you can at this point, like maybe it is a product that you recommend. From I was going to just say, I wish I had a lube that I recommended over and over, but um, I, Joe has some really good like organic lubes. I don't know. Um, I and can I look them up for you. Joe, just J-O? J-O. Oh, yeah. Joe. Okay. Joe has some. Um, they have a, like a good line of a couple okay. different types of lube. Um, I don't know if I can say those on air. My favorite beauty product, I'll give you that one too, is Fenty Beauty just came out with a BB cream called Eavesdrop. And I'm all and was, about and this. Fendi and that was a Fenty. Fenty. Fenty Rihanna's. Um, oh, oh, okay. Got company. it. Got it. And we will definitely put these in the show notes, everybody. Yeah. We will, uh, yes, these show notes will be something that we will want to go review. <laughs> So great. All right. So Jordan, if people right now, and I would say that this is something that has opened up people's minds, if they want to get in touch with you and hear more about your 12 week program, how can they do that? Instagram's my happy place. I check my DMs personally once a day at Dr. Jordan Wiggins, Jordan with an I. Jordan with an I. Wiggins, awesome. You are something. Thank you for bringing all of this to women that will then increase all of our happiness and so much more, as you told us. But this was so enlightening, enlightening to me and I'm sure our listeners. So thank you again for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I hope it was helpful. Oh, very. <laughs> Thanks again. You're welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Silver Lined Relaunch. If I said something today that resonated with you, will you please head over to iTunes right now and leave us a five-star review and share this episode with others and help them find the silver linings as well. And don't forget, you can have immediate access to the show notes, any giveaways, and the links to those amazing beauty products at therelaunchco.com backslash podcast. Until next time, there's always a silver lining. And now is the time to hit the reset button to relaunch those transitions into transformations.